What's up, Bills Mafia? This is Gregory Russo, defensive end for the Buffalo Bills, and you are listening to The Lockdown of Jake Jordan. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the coolest show in Bills Mafia outside of Western New York, the Lowdown. I am your host, Jake Jordan. And man, everybody, it feels like it has been forever since I've recorded a podcast, but I think that's just kind of how the offseason is treating everybody right now is everything just feels like it's taking a long, long time to get anywhere. And honestly, that's what's happening in the football world. I mean, we pretty much have nothing to talk about. We're scraping the bottom of the barrel when it comes to news and people are creating stories and narratives left and right. Like what the hell is going on? But I'm here for you guys to chill out however you are listening to me on the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network, on Spotify, on Apple, in the gym, in your car, on your way to work on a Friday, or maybe coming from work on a Friday ready to get your weekend started. And honestly, I can't wait for my weekend to get started either. Uh, One thing I I just wanted to preface this this show, you might realize in the coming weeks that the show kind of gets a little bit shorter. Uh, when I'm recording this again, like I said, there's not a lot of stuff to talk about, but that's not the only reason why, of course, I could squeeze out long shows if I really wanted to, but I feel like that kind of defeats the purpose and makes the show bogged down as it is. And also, if you don't know anything about me, I am still a college student and I am really racing to try to get my degree. So I am, <laughs> and this is to my own chagrin because I did not mean to do this. I accidentally signed up for two summer A courses, which means I am taking a 12 week course in the span of six weeks. And instead of doing two of those, in 12 weeks, I am doing two of them in six weeks, and these are big classes, ladies and gentlemen. One is uh, mass communication law, and the other one is just development in radio and television. It's a lot of stuff. I'm not going to go super into it, but there's just a lot of stuff going on right now. So if you notice that the show gets a little bit shorter, you know, I'm sorry about that. Once we do hit the regular season, we will get back in full gear, and we're going to have guests. We're going to talk about games breakdowns all that stuff it's going to be awesome so you're going to want to make sure to listen to that and plus you still get some of that from the guys right now like they break down the training camps and everything like that i'm not as plugged in as some of them are but you know they will do breakdowns of that and you know profiles of certain players that are there and you can get that on the built-in buffalo pod network and on the built-in buffalo youtube page if you do go look the caveman is over there we're bringing on some more vod people so it's going to be great you're going to be able to get your podcast and your video podcast pretty much and it's all built in buffalo all the time it's going to be great and one of the things that i just wanted to talk about is i see a pro football talk you know scraping the bottom of the barrel which means they are you know getting into the oh well let's just break down the rosters as they stand right now and i kind of wanted to do this i'm going to do this for the uh next couple of weeks uh i'm going to start with the offenses of each of the teams in the afc east and i'm going to break down some of what i think the weaknesses are 
And I'm then the week after that, I will do the defenses of the AFC East. And I don't think I need to touch on special teams, but if we really run out of ideas, then we'll do that. Okay, so we're going to legitimately start off. I, I want to do the Buffalo Bills last because I feel like you guys hear about them probably the most, obviously, because we're all Buffalo Bills fans. So we really don't like we look at it and we know like in depth what the problems are on our team and if you listen to the Bruce exclusive by the time you're listening to this it would have been last week's not this week's episode uh he, he you know he looked at the other team's offseason additions and looked at the teams as a whole from a unbiased standpoint I kind of you know take that to heart because that's what I've always wanted to do when I've started a podcast I don't sit here and I don't have anything out for any of these teams yes we are you know rivals but they're just football teams as long as us and they've got fans just as passionate as us and yeah it's a rivalry because we're in the same division but I can still look at their team and I can tell where some weaknesses are and man let's just go through their wide receiver room uh, I really like what they've done with their wide receiver room. A lot of people, uh, I seem to see this being just glossed over. And I think a lot of that has to do because he's going to come back from like a suspension. He still has to serve a game for a suspension. Uh, Will Fuller, along with Devontae Parker, but also bringing in a guy like Jalen Waddle. Like, I really feel like their offense, when it comes to receivers, they don't have an excuse anymore. The Miami Dolphins have a decent enough receiving core. I would probably put it on the level of when the Buffalo Bills brought in Cole Beasley and John Brown. And we had Cole Beasley and John Brown, and they kind of beefed up the wide receiver room just a little bit, even though, you know, I'm not going to say that they're the most elite. I, I would say maybe leaning towards that with Cole Beasley. But, you know, John Brown wasn't an elite receiver, okay? Like, and Will Fuller has had moments where he was at almost that level, where he was being viewed at that level. So I would say that bringing in a high-end draft pick like Jalen Waddle, who is familiar with Tua Tungabailoa, and you've got Devontae Parker, who as long as he stays healthy, he's really good. And Will Fuller, the same thing. Once he comes back, he's going to be a really viable option with them as well. And man, there's their offensive line. This is uh, one that I've seen a lot of people talking about. Uh, their offensive line, they have brought in some guys, especially their center. They've got Matt Skura, who was with the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, they also brought in Liam Eikenberg in the draft. I really like their offensive line. Again, it's not one of those groups that's really going to blow you away. I mean, they got game, they got guys on there like Solomon Kinley, Robert Hunt, Matt Skura. They're going to have Liam Eikenberg, even though on this list that I'm looking at, they've got Michael Dieter still uh, listed there at their left guard. And then for their tackles, they've got guys like Jesse Davis and Austin Jackson. You know, not guys that are, they're going to get the job done. They're not these guys that are going to go out there and absolutely tear it up and be the best offensive line in football, but they're not going to be the worst either. And let me just backtrack this back to the wide receivers really quick. I really forgot that they still had Jakeem Grant. I have seen people really shitting on Jakeem Grant, but every single time I saw Jakeem Grant, uh, I thought that he was a pretty decent receiver and one of the best ones that they had on that squad last year. So maybe that's just me not knowing enough about the team. But I also see on here, it says they've got Robert Foster, who obviously is Bills fans. We know Robert Foster is a name that we're familiar with. So I, 
and Preston Williams at the same time, like they do not have any excuses when it comes to now. They're not on the level of like Daniel Jones, like where all of their wide receivers are to the level where it's like, okay, if Tua cannot do anything with this, he's done. He's a bust. I think that about Daniel Jones, there's no reason why Daniel Jones and the New York Giants shouldn't have an amazing offense this year. And I think that the Dolphins really, they also just got, you know, one of these things in the draft. Let's break it down, go from wide receiver to tight end. They've got Mike Kosicki, who, I mean, arguably, I think they drafted Mike Kosicki's replacement in Hunter Long because I think that, you know, Gesicki, I believe, can leave after this year and maybe it's the year after that. And then they'll have Hunter Long, who's got a similar build and athletic ability to Mike Gesicki, unless Gesicki turns out to be like the next Travis Kelsey and really blooms going into this year as well. He's a really good tight end. You know, I've seen him and I've always just like when you look at his game, he's very similar to Gronkowski. And, you know, that's high praise of anything. And then you get to go into their quarterback room. And this is where you talk about Tua. What are they going to do? This all comes down to coaching because their offensive coordinators now are, are George Godsey and Eric Studesville. So I don't know who either of those guys are. And that's ignorant of me to not know and do the research on them. But whenever I see co-offensive coordinators, I can't tell you going back in history when you know, you've had multiple coaches at one position doing something very well. Uh, again, offensive coordinator I usually see is just a one-man job, but having two minds there at the same time, unless they're on the same page, what is it really going to be? Is there going to be conflicting like philosophies when it comes to their offense? I literally have no idea how that offensive coordinatorship is going to work, but it really comes down to Brian Flores. They brought in Jacoby Brissett, who I think is a really decent quarterback behind Tua Tungavailoa. So why would I, I'm really scared that Brian Flores, we saw what he did last year when Tua was struggling and he decided to throw Fitzpatrick in. Hopefully they don't decide to, you know, keep that system going into this year. Hopefully they really put their chips all in on Tua and that's what they're going to be going with because in all honesty, I think that he needs that. I think Tua needs that just for his development wise. I mean, you can't really, I can't see any other situation where, you know, Tua is able to succeed if he isn't just thrown to the wolves at some point and just made to lose games whenever, like, even if they're still in the games, if he's not put in those high pressure situations, I just don't know if Tua is going to be their guy. If for some reason they still cannot believe in him and that, and then let's just break down the running back room. I really think they're not guys that are going to blow you away. I do like Malcolm Brown, who they got from the Rams, who's also on their team. Now uh, they've got miles Gaskin, and I really think that uh, they've got Patrick Laird, who I believe was in a couple of uh, games last year. Same with Salvin Ahmed or Ahmed. So I, their running back room isn't going to blow you away, but it's definitely like a decent running back room. It's not like the worst in the league. If anything, they've got some guys there like Miles Gaskin showed some really actually promise at the running back position. But pretty much they've got all these guys there, just whoever's waiting in the wings to step up. So that was the Miami Dolphins. And the Miami Dolphins, I think, are probably the closest to us in terms of like their rebuild. They're not kind of sitting here bringing in a bunch of, you know, free agents trying to just stay relevant, which is the team we're about to get into, the New England Patriots. So the New England Patriots, 
approach to the off season was really, really weird. They never spend money in the off season. And I really equated the to some of the teams in the AFC East doing this during the time at which the New England Patriots were on top. They pretty much had their guys and they were drafting guys and bringing them in. And those guys would develop or, you know, every now and then they'd be able to bring a guy or somebody would go there on the cheap. But you weren't sitting there going like, oh, New England is spending all this money. Well, this year they spend more money than they did during their whole dynasty years in one off season on free agents and honestly the only notable ones that i can talk about on on the offense uh we're not going to talk about the defense in this week's episode i'll do that next week uh but the guys they brought in are kendrick Bourne from san francisco who last year had a pretty decent year he's he's not gonna take the top off of you if that means he's not your number one receiver he's not elite at least at this level and then they brought in now nelson Aguilar, who you know, he had all that time in Philly and kind of got a reputation of, you know, in some of the biggest games, not being able to show up, even though I think he was a huge part of that Super Bowl run. But whatever, he goes to Las Vegas, kind of puts the hands thing behind him. And, you know, it was actually catching and probably had one of his lowest years in drops uh, when it comes to, you know, just pretty much anything. And, you know, he their wide receiver room, Again, I mean, you can't see anybody on here and go, yeah, uh, yeah, that guy's that guy's gonna blow blow you out of the water. That guy's gonna take whoever your number one cornerback is. He better be scared of these guys because honestly, I look at it. Jacoby Myers at their slot, you know, their their right wide receiver is Nelson Aguilar, and then Kendrick Bourne, and then behind them is Nikhil Harry, who really hasn't shown any promise, and he was the 19th pick in the first round, I believe, last year. So to be completely honest with you, uh, their wide receiver room, it's going to be the same situation no matter what quarterback is back there. They're not going to really have elite weapons to truly throw to when it comes to the wide receiver point. But they don't exactly need that, you know? Like, they don't need those guys, especially with what I think they're going to be running, which I think is stupid, but I think they are going to run it. And that's going to be two tight end sets. And, you know, I... I don't know. I really don't think that that's going to work out for them the way they think they do, especially in a, you know, in a division now with such defensive minded coaches that pretty much it's shown like Lamar Jackson has shown that they can't get past the second round in the playoffs. Now they can barely get past the first running these two tight end set play action type plays. And I'm really hoping that's not what they're trying to do. And a lot of people are saying, well, yeah, I, I think those are the best two additions that they brought in. They brought in Johnny Smith from Tennessee. Then they got Hunter Henry from the Chargers. And uh, Hunter Henry was one of the guys that I really wanted because I thought we needed to upgrade our tight end room, which we have slightly done with the additions of Jacob Hollister. And uh, I believe Jesse James was a the guy they brought in for a visit. And our tight end room is pretty much just kind of beefed up a little bit. It's not you know, it's not beefed up with guys like a Johnny Smith or a Hunter Henry who are your slightly above average tight ends in the league. But behind them, they've got guys like Dalton Keene and Devin Asiasi who they drafted. And honestly, it didn't it didn't work out for either of them, at least this year, the way they wanted to. So, you know, the all it all doesn't matter unless you get to the quarterback and who is going to be the quarterback of the new England Patriots decides whether or not they are going to have a winning season next year. And when I look at here, I see Cam Newton, Mac Jones, Jared Stidham, 
Brian Hoyer, who they just brought in. So here's my big thing. I think Jared Stidham is gone. I think after training camp, Jared Stidham, it, I don't think it works. They've had way too much time with him. It hasn't worked out. Brian Hoyer being brought in just because he's really used to that old Josh McDaniel system with Brady. And I feel like the Cam Newton, if he doesn't win the starting job and they decide to go in with Mac Jones, Mac Jones is pretty much going to be given that same kind of stoic pocket passing quarterback type role that Tom Brady had. And I don't think he's going to really succeed in it, but I don't think that he's going to be awful either. Mac Jones could be very good. We don't know that. But I think Jared Stidham, I mean, they wouldn't have drafted Mac Jones if they thought Jared Stidham was actually going to be good enough. Jared Stidham couldn't win the job from Cam last year when Cam Newton was having one of the worst years ever of a quarterback. And Jared Stidham still couldn't win it back. And then, you know, we, you all know their running backs. They've got Damian Harris, uh, James White, Sony Michelle. Uh, they drafted Ramondre Stevenson, who's not going to be, you know, a guy who's going to be the greatest greatest running back in the world but you know it's new england so you know they're going to get some production out of any of these guys he's a legarrett blunt type you know really big physical runner and i could see them you know just plugging him into the system uh, especially with uh guys like i i'm not sure i felt like james white or sony michelle one of them had left but possibly this isn't updated as i'm looking at but it says it was updated uh yesterday at 8:22, so maybe one of them still a free agent god knows that and then i mean they've got pretty much a solid o-line i mean they've got isaiah win they got michael onawenu they've got david andrews shaquille mason and trent brown who they got from las vegas who they're just going to throw in there at right tackle and you know whoever's going to be the quarterback back there they're going to have a little bit of time but I think this team and their offense lives and dies by whoever is at the quarterback position. And I honestly think that if Cam Newton just still just does not get it, they decide to revert back to the old New England ways and they're going to have really elite tight ends. They're going to have subpar wide receivers and they're going to try to have a stoic pocket passing quarterback in the pocket. I think that's what they do. Does it work out for them? God knows what but now we get to go to our oh so favorite new york jets and if you guys don't know the new york jets i'm 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 privy to the new york jets just because my girlfriend's father is a new york jets fan so i kind of do my research on them just as much as the bills so i can have conversations with him whenever i go and visit the in-laws or soon to be in-laws whenever that might happen uh, the new york jets they're going to be the darlings in the uh, nfl this year i think everybody's going to have all eyes on them especially week one when sam darnold comes back in the town everybody's going to want to see what happens and the new york jets i think are marginally better than they were last year hell they could have the same roster and just having a different head coach and offensive coordinator, just a different coaching staff with that team last year, they weren't only winning two games. Like, I think that that's going to be their big upgrade this year is having a better coaching staff who actually knows what they're doing. And they're not Adam Gase, who should be bussing tables in an IHOP. Okay, like he should not be touching a football playbook anymore, no matter what Peyton Manning says. So let's get into it. 
put it like I loved some of the additions that they brought in this year. They brought in Keelan Cole from Jacksonville. They have Denzel Mims, who they drafted last year. They got Corey Davis and their wide receiver room. Again, they're young. They're not, you know, guys that are going to blow you away. They've got Braxton Berrios on there. They've got Jamison Crowder, who I think is a really good slot receiver. They drafted Elijah Moore, who I think will take Jamison Crowder's spot because I think Jamison Crowder just gets hurt a little bit too much. But, you know, they've got guys, they got uh, DJ Montgomery from Cleveland. You know, they've got some guys back there. Nobody's going to blow you away. Again, that's kind of like the theme throughout all these. There are weak positions throughout this, like these lineups. They've got really good guys at some positions, but they're still lacking in a few spots. And that's where I think that, you know, the Jets are at the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to the AFC East, but they're going to probably be the most improved team in the AFC East just because of how bad they were last year. And the New York Jets, you know, head coach Robert Sala, marginally better than Adam Gase already said that OC Mike LaFleur who you know they're going to come in with that Kyle Shanahan type offense and it's going to be defensive coordinator Jeff Ulbrich I don't know I assume that him with Robert Sala who was the defensive coordinator for the 49ers they're going to be able to scheme something up so we talked about their wide receiver room let's talk about their offensive line They've got the monster Makai Becton at left tackle. And then they traded up in the first round of this year's draft to get Elijah Vera Tucker, who I believe, as far as lineman goes, is one of the most well-rounded and pro-ready linemen that was in the draft. And while I don't agree with the amount of capital that they gave up, especially two third-round picks, you know, I, I think they moved up, they got their guy, and then they have a guy, Connor McGovern, uh, who they got from Denver at center. And then they've got Greg Van Roten at uh, at right guard from Carolina, and then behind him, they have Alex Lewis, who I don't know what's going on uh, with him, but he had uh, troubles with some mental, uh, some mental issues, some mental health problems towards the end of the year, uh, but he was a really notable free agent that they brought in from Baltimore. And then behind them on the depth chart, they've got Connor McDermott, who everybody might remember from his time with the Buffalo Bills. And then at right tackle, they've got George Fant, who was a guy that they brought in from Seattle, who honestly was one of the bright spots of their line last year. And, you know, that's the Jets offensive line. It's not terrible. It's not the worst offensive line in the league. But, I mean, last year you could have made an argument that it was, but just having Elijah Vera Tucker and Makai Becton on there and George Fant, I mean, that's pretty much three out of your five positions are very decent linemen as far as we're concerned right now. Elijah Vera Tucker could be an absolute bust. Who knows? Might not translate well, even though everybody thinks he does. Uh, But going from the offensive line, you get to go into the tight ends. And, you know, their tight end room, I think they've got a pretty decent one. Christopher Herndon, who they drafted in 2018 in the fourth round. And, you know, he's always been every single year. You always hear Christopher Herndon. Chris Herndon is what you'll hear. Chris Herndon is going to be a stud. He's very athletic. uh, But I think just two years with Adam Gase not really being able to use him that well, his production has just dropped off. And a lot of people just don't know what the hell is going to go on with him? And then behind him, they have Ryan Griffin. And then behind that, they've got Tyler Croft, who they got from us, who, again, is a really a decent tight end. I would have loved to have Tyler Croft back. And he caught many of catches for us when we were just like, oh, Dawson Knox is out with a concussion. But Tyler Croft kind of stepped up. And then they also got Kenny Yaboa. So their tight end room 
is pretty decent. There, there's going to be at least one reliable tight end that Zach Wilson is going to be able to throw to. And, you know, just talking about Zach Wilson, let's get into it. Uh, Zach Wilson, I think it's hit or miss with him. I, I've said on multiple occasions that I don't think Zach Wilson was the right pick at number two. I think that Zach Wilson was not the second best quarterback in the draft. I think that he was better than Mac Jones, but I don't think he was better than Justin Fields. But for whatever reason, the New York Jets said, hey, Zach Wilson's our guy. So they got Zach Wilson behind them. They've got James Morgan, who they drafted the year before. And then behind that, they have Mike White, who I couldn't even tell you who he is. And then they got at the running back room, they've got Michael P. Ryan out of Florida. Behind him, they got Tevin Coleman, who they got from San Francisco. And then behind him, they got Michael Carter, who I think was the better running back at UNC. So that is the offense for the New York Jets. They're definitely going to be better. Don't expect them to win more than five games this year. And if they do, it's overachieving. And we get to go into our team at last, ladies and gentlemen, the Buffalo Bills offense this year. What are we lacking? What are we lacking, ladies and gentlemen? I mean, you pretty much probably know, but let's just break down the wide receivers. We got Gabe Davis, who I think is going to blossom in year two as well, having a bigger role. Stefan Diggs, we've got Cole Beasley, and then we got Emmanuel Sanders, and then we've got Isaiah Hodgins, who a lot of people are still high on. And then we drafted a guy in Marquez Stevenson. We've got Isaiah McKenzie, who we brought back. And then uh, we've got good old Duke Williams, who's still there. And then Jay Kumaro, touchdown Jesus, still. Um, a very, I mean, Stefan Diggs makes having Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders immediately puts your wide receiver room in elite territory. Like it's getting to the point where, okay, if Gabe Davis actually comes and balls out next year and all these guys just keep doing what they're known to be doing, it's an elite wide receiver room. And Josh Allen has some of the best weapons in the league at wide receiver. So we don't need to talk much there. Our wide receivers are amazing. Our offensive line, uh, this is the thing that's kind of, uh, who knows? Because I still think our guard play and Mitch Morse, you know, I think it all depends on what's going to happen with the run game. What happens this year, obviously we nitpick it. But if you look at it, Cody Ford, we have no idea what he's going to come back and look like this year. He's still, he got very limited snaps at guard. So, I mean, on here, they have they have him listed at right guard, but I know he was playing a left guard next to Deion Dawkins. So I'm not sure what that's all about on uh, ourlads.com slash NFL depth charts. But I really think that it all comes down to what's going to happen. We've got tackle depth. We signed Daryl Williams. We got him locked up. Our tackle positions are great. Our center is decent. I think Cody Ford is going, if just God forbid, give him a year to not be hurt, then he will be okay. But I think our interior offensive line isn't amazing. I think the outs, the outer offensive line with our tackle play is very good. So I think there's room for improvement there. I don't think our offensive line is amazing, but I also don't think that our offensive line is horrible either because we've got guys on there. You know, Mitch Morse, I mean, I think technically is still the highest paid center in the league. Cody Ford could be something at left tackle. I mean, I just want to say this, our run game when we had Dawkins and Ford playing together on the left side was actually fairly decent for some games when we just ran it to the left. So maybe we'll be able to get some of that magic this year as well. And do I really need to talk about quarterback, ladies and gentlemen? We've got Josh motherfucking Allen 
at our quarterback position. I mean, what else am I going to say? And then I, I might as well just talk about the backup more than that because we got rid of Bitcoin Barkley. If you did follow me when I was at the Buffalo Fanatics, I did one of my final podcasts that I did for them was Bye Bye Bitcoin Barkley, where I talked about options that I wanted. I thought Ryan Fitzpatrick could be in play. He got a massive contract from the Washington football team. But I also said Mitchell Trubisky could be in play because it was obvious that the Bears were going to move on from Mitchell Trubisky and they didn't pick up his option. So Mitchell Trubisky came to the Buffalo Bills and I think it's mainly to just reset himself and learn under a guy like Brian Dayball. And, you know, behind him, we've got Jake Fromm. And then it says here we have Davis Webb, but I thought Davis Webb just got cut from the uh, New York Giants. So maybe we already signed him that quick. Who knows? But yeah, Josh Allen, Mitchell Trubisky, immediately our backup quarterback is better than some, uh, I would say maybe all of the court. I mean, Cam Newton, if Cam Newton's the starter, Cam Newton has obviously had a better ceiling than Mitchell Trubisky has had in his career. But uh, if it's Mac Jones and Tua and Zach Wilson, Mitchell Trubisky is better than all of them, at least at this moment. So if our backup is better than all three of those guys, I mean, Josh Allen, Mitchell Trubisky, it doesn't matter. Josh Allen maybe has to go down again. Maybe, you know, hurts his ankle a little bit and we're playing a team that's, you know, marginally garbage. Maybe you can afford to throw in a Mitchell Trubisky and then our running back room. A lot of people just cannot stop talking about the running back room. And when you look at the running back room, throw Taiwan Jones out of it when you're looking at it. I'm looking at his name, and it's in all caps for some reason on this depth chart. Taiwan Jones, special teams guy at best. But, you know, we've got guys. We got Devin Singletary. We got Zach Moss. And we brought in Matt Breida, who I think is going to be more. And I, I hate to say this, but I think Matt Breida's even though he should be an integral part of the offense, I think he's going to be the TJ Yeldon type role where he's pretty much inactive unless, you know, Singletary or Moss is out or if one of them decides to lose their job. But it looks like Devin Singletary working out with Dalvin Cook this offseason and getting himself in shape. He looks really good. Of course, there's Christian Wade still on the depth chart. I highly doubt that he does anything. He's 30 years old. And Antonio Williams, who has also been putting work in at rookie workouts and stuff like that. So those are the rosters, ladies and gentlemen. I have no idea how long I've been talking for. It has been over 30 minutes. I did it. So we're going to take a break. And then after we take a break and you listen to a Built in Buffalo contributor and their take from one of their pods this week, I will then bring on my brother. We will talk the schedule, which I know has been talked about to death. And I talked about it last week with my brother, but this week we're going to talk about it with my other brother. So make sure to stay tuned for that. I've been your host, Jake. This has been The Lowdown, and I will see you guys in the second half. The Steelers did make some nice acquisitions as far as the draft they got Najee Harris they got Pat Freermuth so they're giving Ben no excuses right they're giving Big Ben no excuses um I'm still not sold on their offensive line they've lost a couple people have not replaced them um I didn't think that they had that great of an offense last year Big Ben was kind of a dink and dunk guy and they had they, they didn't have the adequate guys 
for the dink and dunk scheme. They had Chase Claypool, who I love. They had Juju Smith-Schuster, like him or hate him. I think he's I, – I don't think he's the number one receiver. I think he's a number two. He's a really good number two on any team. I don't think he's the number one. Um, so they, they, they made some moves, right? I'm just not sold on, on Ben Roethlisberger being able to put the ball downfield consistently. Um, and as we all know, the Bills have beat them twice. The big pick six from Teron Johnson last year. Um, Josh got into a rhythm in the second half last 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 season. On top of the fact that that was one of the games I really liked what I saw from Zach Moss. He looked like he was able to close the game out um, late in the fourth quarter. Um, he had a couple drives where he was extending drives, and that's what we need. So. Um- Welcome, everybody, back to the coolest place in Bill's Mafia outside of Western New York. My name is Jake, and uh, you're actually at the end of the podcast, and I know it's very disappointing, and I literally recorded 40 minutes with my little brother talking about the schedule again to give you guys possibly the super show of talking about teams and then also talking about the schedule with somebody else who maybe doesn't know the in-depth of those teams like I've gone back and done but man we had a whole 40 minutes and uh, some technical difficulties have stopped us from being able to do it just to give you the rundown uh, basically our major games like the Colts the Chiefs the Saints and the Bucks um, Bryce basically made it to where he thought that we were taking losses during those but he still had us going 14-3 which is possibly good enough to win the one seed in the AFC. So again, I hope you guys have enjoyed this week's episode. We'll be back next week with a much longer show. I promise there will be no technical difficulties. You have been listening to the coolest show in Bill's Mafia outside of Western New York. I have been your host, Jake. This has been The Lowdown, and I will see you guys all next week. (music) 